Hello, I'm Jess. And I'm Clara. And we're Gay and Dumb. We hope you had a great week. I had a really great week. Do you know why I had a really great week, Clara? Why did you have a great week? Because I quit my job. Woo! I put in that big girl 30-day notice, and I said, adios. Um, I was so proud of you. I've been wanting you to quit that job for like a month. I've been wanting to quit that job since like three weeks after I started. I think we had Um, a conversation in a previous episode where we were like, when friends come to us with relationship advice, we're always like, dump him, kill him, put him in the ground. And when (laughs) people come to me with work to I'm like, quit. Put yeah. in your resignation. You, Stop showing up. These jobs don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. You're you are an advocate for quitting your job. Mm-hmm. You quit your job too, but that's not as important as mine. That's it's, not as like I did. I did. No, you did. Um no, it was a little underwhelming when I quit mine. But you know when you like start a new job and you're like this is really great. This place seems oh, really cool. It always, it's like being in an abusive relationship because they like love bomb you when you mm-hmm. first get into a job and then like six months into it, the other shoe drops and you're like, no. I hate it here. I'm going to tell you the other shoe dropped for me like the second or third week I was there. So I'm very oh. glad. Yeah. I'm very glad to be leaving. I think um, my hair is already starting to grow back. This weird rash on my arm is fading away. Wow. That my physical stress is already you. going away. So that's great. Um, Clara, you have um, a Coors Light. Yes, I, <laughs> I do want to give a big shout out to Taya. I walked in 15 minutes late and I said, hey, can I drink one of these Coors Lights from your floor? And she said, yeah, go for it. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. And for the record, they were in a sealed box on a shelf, not just like rolling around on the ground. Yes. But I am very grateful for this Coors Light because we're going to be getting into some heavy topics today. Yeah, and gonna, I just felt like I needed a little... It's going to be a big brain day for us. It's going to be a big brain. As you guys know, based on the name of this podcast, we don't have a lot of brain between the two of us. We don't. We have one collective one that we share. Some days we split it in half. Yeah, I think that's why we get Where's along so your well. Brain at? Where's your brain at right now? Because you asked me to pick up White Claws when I literally brought you a six-pack of White Claws to your home yesterday. Uh, Deanna took them home. <gasps> I know. I'm sorry. I'm putting her on blast. Well, no, I told her to take them home. That's fine. And I actually, I also have White Claw, but I forgot to put them in my bag because I was running late because God I lost forbid, track of time. You don't have seltzered alcohol in your purse or in your car or on your person at all times. I have a problem. Yeah. But you're like conventionally attractive and white and you dress cute. So it's like a quirk. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> So I never looked at it that way before. <laughs> as you mentioned, this this is gonna be a big brain episode. Um and Claire and I we we're not the smartest gals out there. We're not nope. not smart very much at all. But one thing we I feel like we both really thrived on was um our ethics class with mm. our previously mentioned professor guajardo professor g professor g we love him daddy if you're listening uh, come home i miss you you can think things and not say them because i mean who doesn't think that about mr g just i love a good morally correct that's like, man that's like my main personality trait though is that i say everything that i think and i come out of left field all the time yeah, they gave me medicine for that <laughs> I probably need to be medicated for that. Yeah, this personality was designed by many doctors. I need a lobotomy. 
go to Claire's. Um, <laughs> With the piercing gun. Yeah. No, that's crazy because because you don't have much of an internet presence. You think that's way funnier than it is. It's such a recycled joke by now. I love that. That's why our friendship thrives is I can tell her like three month old jokes that I saw on TikTok. What if you're only funny because you're just telling me jokes that you found on the internet, but I don't know about them because I'm not on the internet. And I just think that you're like this, like some, this golden standard of comedy, but really you're just like scrolling on TikTok and just like regurgitating it to me. And I just think it's the shit. Well, um, (laughs) I, you caught me off guard there. Um, Did I just call you out? Let's not ask questions that we don't want the answer to. I'm just kidding. Jess is genuinely hilarious yeah. as a person. I am. Thanks, buddy. It's gotten me so far in life, as we can all see. Uh, <laughs> um, God, I love you so much. I love you, too. Um, so let's get into some big questions. We were pondering about what to talk about today. And it just came to me in the middle of the night. I woke up in a in a in a sweat, and I said, "Oh my God, Professor G's hot!" And I, oh my God, I love ethics and philosophy. Oh my God, let's talk about some ethical dilemmas. And that was the process. That and I, here. I do want to preface this and say that Jess is really the creative force behind this podcast. All that I do is show up and talk into a mic, but she really does all the planning for our guests and the questions and all this stuff so very grateful for that and i make really cute little instagram reels for us yeah she basically does all the work and all i do is drive here yeah but i you look how pretty you are i can't expect you to do anything else you're just so cute i just want you to sit right there and do some stuff that's don't, why don't you think too hard not today baby that's why we're on the casting couch yeah uh, so anyway, ph- ph- philosophical questions. Um, All right, hit me with it. I, I pulled a list. I had a, a friend send me a couple that he thought were good. I pulled from a list on the interwebs. Um, so let's let's start with this one. Is happiness just chemicals flowing through your brain or something more? Hmm. I'd say something more because I feel like happiness is... it's. I mean, it's the feeling produced by the chemicals. What are you thinking, Clara? Can you tell that my brain is working like a thousand miles a minute? Yeah, this is the first question, and it gets a little bit... Well, it's kind of like... um... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Sorry, I have so many beautiful thoughts in my brain about this. I know, don't work too hard, baby. And I'm, I'm working really hard on it. I think it is just chemicals in your brain. I mean, what is happiness? I mean, obviously, like, there are things that make you happy. Like, being with a partner makes you happy. Or, like, drinking a nice cup of coffee makes you happy. But, like, why does Cocaine. Cocaine makes you happy. But, like, why does it make you happy? You're happy when you're with, with your partner because it's releasing oxytocin. Um, you're happy when you drink a cup of coffee because you get a little, like, hit of dopamine and you get that, like, caffeine rush. Um but that's not a very romantic answer. Well, it's not. And I mean, obviously... Is life not romantic? It can be. It's beautiful. It's lovely. I love the human brain. I think it's gorgeous. 
I love the experience that is life, but really at the end of the day, we're just a brain and a bunch of nerves in a skin suit. And anything that we experience is because of that. This episode is brought to you by Delta 8 and the sentence that Clara just said. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Like, um, because really that's all that we are. And of course that brings up the question, like, what are we? Like, am I my brain? Am I my consciousness? Am I my body? Like, what makes me me? At the end of the day, we're just a bunch of atoms just like formed into this particular being. I think I would rather us be like our brain than our body. I don't want to just be my body. That's like the least cool part okay. of me. All the inside stuff. Okay, rocks. but like someone can't fuck your brain. In a way, maybe, not physically. But you can't. Ha- but also at you the same have, time, you can't have one without the other. Explain sexting. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like your body is still a part of that. Like. It yeah. wouldn't make sense to be sexting if you weren't getting horny. And you wouldn't get horny if you didn't have genitals. And you wouldn't have genitals if you didn't have a body. You would just be a brain. Okay. Your brain can't get horny. Well, yeah. I mean, your brain can get horny, but it stimulates the body. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, we want to go to medical school? No. Why not? You, can you imagine me in I'm medical school? I'm going to be a school? little doctor. doctor. I don't know. I feel like if Brie did it, I can do it. Brie is a hot, sexy doctor. We love her. She is. So long story short, I do think that it is just chemicals, but at the same time, I don't think that takes away from the beauty of emotions or the human experience. That was a really good answer. Thank you. You came prepared today. Uh, I didn't come prepared. This is my bread and butter, baby. I love (laughs) talking about this shit. Are you kidding me? This is like what goes through my brain at night when I'm trying to fall asleep. This is why my phone is always dead because I'm thinking about this instead of where my phone charger is. Oh, I love you so much. This, I think this was going to be a really good one considering our differences and our time spent with technology. Have we become less happy in this age of technology? Yes. Alienation is a function of capitalism, and it's what keeps us separated from our communities. And I think that has led to a spike in anxiety and depression because that's a very innate human need is to be a part of a community. And so we have these faux slash false communities online that simulate that feeling without actually being tangible. I think it's complicated. So, and I'm not saying that technology is inherently bad or social media is inherently bad. In fact, I think it's a positive thing. And I think we should obviously continue to progress and like find out more things and learn more things. I think it's cool. But I think as far as like our socialization and our emotional needs, I do think that, and of course, technologically, technologically technology is a very broad term yeah so when i first read this question when i thought of from from my perspective i worked um in the recreational therapy field throughout the pandemic so there was a time where long-term care residents could not have visitors for some places for a full year a visitor could not step foot in the building um, so technology and at that time was the only thing that was generating happiness for those people. And I think what's interesting is that 
when you read that question, I immediately was like social media, but that's such an umbrella term. Yeah, technology. It is. And, um, you know, we could also, you also have to like, what is this day in age of technology? That's pretty broad. Do you mean like the last like 10 years or so? Are we going all the way back to like when cars were made? In this day of technology, this day and age. Um, I don't know. I think it would be, might be, and it's not going to be a good way to answer it. I mean, it's one, this and is I one also, of those ones where I don't think there's a wrong answer. It's a very gray area because I think in a lot of ways it has made us happier because we have access to tools that we didn't in the past that gen- or technology. genuinely improve <laughs> our quality of life. Like vibrators. Yeah, I raise you Hitachis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, God, I need one of those. I left mine at my ex's house and haven't gotten it back. Mm. Rocking them triple A's right now, baby. <laughs> um, that sucks. Let me tell you something. Uh, but yeah, it's. Um, I think in a lot of ways it has improved our quality of life. And in a lot of ways it hasn't. And I also think the dangerous thing with this question is considering that in the context of like neoliberalism and capitalism and does that make sense yeah everything you're saying makes so much sense to me right now like i'm in love with you like um like i i feel like with the technology that we have right now we could provide everyone with everything that they needed Like, we genuinely could improve people's quality of life. But But I think in the context of this very individualistic society, that's obviously not happening. Because the technology made the rich, wealthy people rich and wealthy and more selfish and all that. Well, that existed before technology. But But technology gave, like, Jeff Bezos. It gave Jeff Bezos the opportunity to just skyrocket into the sky yeah into the sky so it is a very convoluted question but i think overall it has the potential to make us more happy but i think in the context of today right now i think it's making us less happy yeah i feel like we could make the biggest pros and cons list based off of this and it would just be never ending can you please read the next question? I'm really excited about this one um, because I'm, I'm remember, excited to answer it. <laughs> I, I'm ready to hear you fire off. Um, are humans obligated to better themselves? Right off the bat, no. I say no. Absolutely not. I would. You love... are not obligated to do shit. You are on this earth just to exist. And if anyone tells you different, fuck them. I would like to believe that everybody would want to better themselves but you should only do it if you want to if you're doing it because of an extra external force external force like then is it really a good thing it should it should be intrinsic i'm really into utilitarianism mostly because it's really fun to say but that's also just the one where that's the ideology the greater good yeah whatever produces the most good is the most morally correct. But no, I don't think people are obligated to better themselves. And I think sometimes you, like, you get in situations where you kind of have to to survive, but obligation implies that 
it's not like a mode of survival. Like it's just something that you have to do just to do it. I think this question. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think this question kind of can easily lead you into that argument of whether like addicts deserve the same health care as like healthy adults. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it kind of goes into that whole thing. I hate seeing those opinions on the internet that you genuinely don't have to deal with. Um, but, like, every time our local news station posts, like, some, like, um, clickbaity article about, like, the homeless population or something like that, it's all the comments are, like, they don't deserve shit because they are shit. And I feel like that kind of goes into the are humans obligated to better themselves, are humans who are not actively trying to create good just as worthy as people who are creating good. Right. Yes. I think we can agree that all humans deserve the basics. I think every human in this world deserves more than they're getting right now, though. I just think that if you exist on this earth, you deserve your basic necessities to be met. And I hate that that's such a radical thing. It's really not. It, like It's perceived as a radical idea. I don't think it's radical. But I'm me, of course. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm glad we agree on that one. I was like, no. This one I really like too because I cannot remember her name. I remember there was this lady, philosopher lady. She sucked. She um, said basically that there, there, she said a bunch of like really awful like racist stuff. But her big idea was that no person can do anything good just to do something good. There's always that. Um, that's, um, that's altruism. Yes, that is altruism. But she said that, like, under any circumstances ever, like... There's always an ulterior motive. There's always an ulterior motive. Yeah. And she kind of ran with with altruism. Altruism? Altruism. Altruism. Ran with that and just, like, made it all bigotry. Um, But the question is, do acts of kindness have a motive? And... Yes. I think... I think in itself, the desire to feel good about doing something good can be considered a motive. Do you believe that? Absolutely. You and do I, a good thing because you want to feel good, which doesn't make it immoral, well, in my opinion. I think that's a really interesting question because literally everything that we do has a motivation behind it. There is nothing that you do in your life, whether it's taking a shit, doing an act of kindness... <laughs> You know, going to the grocery store and buying a particular kind of food. Like, everything that we do has a motivation behind it. And I think that extends to acts of kindness. Yeah, and I don't don't think that makes it a bad thing. No. By any means. Like, it's okay to do good things because you want to feel good. Yeah. I would even argue... That it's okay for you to do something to feel good. And that's more important than actually helping somebody else. Well, think about it. If every single person on Earth, like, had ulterior motives, but they were all doing kind things all the time, even if there was a motive behind it, even if it was selfish, we would have a world full of kind people. So does does it really matter why someone's doing it if they're doing the thing? I don't know. I think that gets kind of tricky. So, like, say, like, 
this super mega billionaire mm-hmm. had um like like everybody found out like he had like children working in sweatshops for four cents a day. But He's that's also... not a but oh, no no no. Hang that, on, that's not me... a that's not a kind thing. I know, but I'm getting to the because you said listen, just listen. This guy, he's just really crappy, awful guy. And then mm-hmm. he donates all of his fortune to a really good charity organization. Mm. Does, and he did that to like bury the bad press and he's just going to drop off face of the earth and, you know, live his life. What about that? Is that, does that cancel out? Does it not matter that he was doing it to cover the bad press? What charity was he donating it I to? No, Clara, good one. One where blind kids. He's donating it to blind yes, kids. Yes, he's he started then, new yeah. technology to give blind kids working eyeballs. Yeah, that's fine. I think he still did a good thing. Even though he was doing it because he was trying to cover up the fact that he was a shitty person and that was his motivation, he still created good. Yeah, from that bunch of blind kids can see now with their new technological <laughs> Amazon Prime eyeballs. Oh god. I think they could get like audiobooks. That'll be a new thing eyeballs. in like 20 years. You know how Amazon has like Amazon Basics. Mm-hmm. You can just like buy new eyeballs and put them in. Oh my god, I recently Two-day rewatched shipping. I rewatched Robots, the Robots movie with Bobby We Lake. were talking about that we the were other day. Talking about that. It's trending on TikTok. The uh, it was for a little bit the sound um but that movie makes me uncomfortable, and I can't explain why. Is it the CGI? It's I think weird... it. I think it's the CGI and the voice acting and like the I art style. I think it's style. because when I was a kid, I wanted to get inside of Aunt Fanny. <laughs> I, mean, I she, did. She had a fatty, dude. She did. Why did they do that to us? She was a robot. They were, why yeah. do we sexualize female characters even when they're literally inanimate objects? I don't know, but when I was a kid, it was her and it was Beth Chapman. <laughs> Freaking Dog the Bounty Hunter's wife. I think I have type. <laughs> Was that mm. was that your uh, was that your first lesbian crush? Maybe I can't backtrack that. Mine far. was Raven from Teen Titans. That yeah, that adds up. Yep, it's all coming together. That's why me and Deanna are in love. True, I'm in love with Deanna. Um, oh, speaking of Deanna, here's a good one. Um, can life be meaningful without friends? Nope. I think, f- I think people who avoid friendships at all costs can still have meaningful lives i think we would I just mean, have meaningful lives in I guess different if, ways if you want to live in isolation well hang on let me let me backtrack a little bit i think i'm getting ahead of myself i think i'm getting ahead of myself because that question i mean if you're friends with somebody you care about them and you spend time with them and you're like investing time into this person and I would argue that, like, if you're close with your family, like, your family kind of becomes your friends in some way. Um, so can it be meaningless or meaningful without friends is, like, can it be meaningful in isolation, like, as a person? And not, I, would, I know not for me, that's for sure. For me personally, no. But I don't think that's across the board for everybody. I think there are some people that can live extremely full, meaningful lives without anybody. And I think that's great. So yeah, I mean, we spent so long talking about how we would have such full, meaningful lives um, if we never had like long-term partners. 
at any point in our lives. So I'm sure there's people out there, there are people out there that think that's insane. And I'm sure there are people on the opposite end of the spectrum that are like, I'd be fine with absolutely nobody in my life. Yeah. So yeah, I think to each their own on that one. Yeah. Um, I put this one in because I think it's funny because how are we supposed to answer it? How do you know if you love someone enough to marry them? Oh, God. I hate this question. Me too, because I don't know. I don't know that whatsoever. Um, You're asking the... You're barking up the wrong tree with this question. With my, like, very, like, realistic outlook. Can I tell you what my grandma said about this? Because I had to interview her for my sociology class, and I was asking her, you know, about her previous relationships and, like, how she came to, you know, marry Urban, my grandfather, and she said, if you can picture living the rest of your life with someone, that's how you know. But, like, yeah, we get that, but over half of marriages end in divorce, so something's not clicking for somebody. Um, I think you have to, like, really, 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 really take your emotions. This is ironic. You have to take your emotions out of the question for a moment and look at that person and say, will I love that person if you know, they become severely disabled. Will I love that person if we are fighting about money for the rest of our lives? Will I love that person if, um, do I do I know that person's like moral compass enough to understand that together we can navigate anything and everything? And I don't, I just, it's such, it's less like, that's the riskiest thing ever to me is marriage. Legally binding yourself to somebody and just not knowing. I truly don't think there's a way to gauge if you love someone enough to marry them. And, you know, people who are, you know, who marriage is appealing to them, I think their thing is just like a concept of faith, of being like, I just have to have faith in this person that they won't go through like a significant change, like, you know, like alcoholism or like just like a moral compass change. I think it's a faith thing for them, but I struggle with faith. So I think that's why that's not my thing. And I also like, this is a hard question for me because I just, it's not that I don't believe in it, but I feel like somewhere in my brain, I have qualms with the institution of marriage Mm -hmm. and I get, I like, I get why it exists because it's like, it's joining families legally and you're like, you're trusting this person and you're meshing them into your life. And I, I understand why it exists, but mm-hmm. also part of my brain is like, why can't we just like love who we love and like yeah. not get a bunch of bureaucracy and government involved? I think under like, <laughs> if it were with like the very perfect person under the right terms, I guess, I would have like a spiritual wedding. If someone asked me to marry them, I would throw up on their head. <laughs> God. Um, I like this one. I think you'll have a good point of view on this one. Can spirituality make you a happy person? I think yes. yes. I think because a lot of spirituality comes along with um, understanding mindfulness, which is something that I'm always working on. Um, remember my my old boss, Pam, most wonderful woman in the world. God bless um, Pam. God bless Pam. We love her. She hey, speaking me... of, Pam is going to be coming back to Golden Cactus. 
It's fall time. The stouts are coming back. <gasps> yes. Pam's coming back. Pam, our one of our favorite little breweries has has a has a beer named Pam. And, and we only got it because we loved Pam, yeah, but then we actually really we liked the beer too. Pam. And then they took her away. <laughs> there, were, there were two Pams there too. There were two. There were Pam the Great and mm-hmm. Pam next door. My the uh, the non drinkable Pam, my old boss Pam. She gave <laughs> me a copy of. Um, the non-drinkable thing. Yeah. That's she gave good. me a book. What was it? Um, the Four Agreements. And there's some religious undertones in it, but I really, really like it. And it's just all about how to make you a more mindful person, which is not easy. Um, when you, like, really dive into spirituality in that way, it's hard. You have to, like, accept these things about yourself in life. It's the accepting that you don't have control thing that is really hard. Mm-hmm. But I do think spirituality can make you a much happier person. I don't th- I don't see it having like major negative effects on anybody from my experience I guess if you're not in like the culty kind of spirituality. Well, that's not spirituality though. That's like organized religion. Yeah. Like if And you- anything can become a cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I do believe that that's really something innate to humans is like wanting to feel connected to something yeah. and wanting to be connected to something bigger than yourself um especially with how much mystery surrounds our existence that we like don't really talk about that much um you know i think that's an innate thing as a person and the great thing about spirituality is that it can look different for every single person and i feel like your perception of reality becomes your reality in a lot of ways like as people um so if spirituality whether that be through a religion or like just your own personal practice i do think it can make you happier yeah. and i don't think there's anything inherently bad about it me either. i think it's overall a positive thing i think when i was a kid and i heard the term spirituality it was like always like attached to like this super like anti-god hippy dippy gross way of life which is silly it which is, is silly because but now, now you... that i'm older i'm seeing a lot of christians actually engaging in spirituality and now understanding that you can be both well it's funny to me when christians like shit on spirituality in that way like what you just described because they just have spirituality in an organized god way christianity is spirituality would you not want to have a spiritual relationship with god yeah, is that not the if, whole point? He's literally having, a spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, if you're not what are you having a about? spiritual experience with God, then why are you in church? You Just know, to put some money in the plate you know and go out would... to eat and yell at the waitress? <laughs> God, I do miss post-church meals. You know, it would be best. really fucking funny. What? Is to like spike the communion juice at a catholic church with oh my god LSD they give that shit mescaline. to like nine-year-olds if you're a baptized nine-year-old in a catholic church you're getting the wine okay well i want to spike it with mescaline what the fuck is mescaline it's a psychedelic oh right on they'll really come to jesus then man that's what i want for them i think mm-hmm. uh, legally everyone should have to do lsd once in their life i kind of like I have this interest in the Catholic Church just of, like, their, like, non-gross history and their artwork and, like, their whole setup is so interesting to me. Going into the little box and hanging out. And they have really long church services. I was raised Southern Baptist. We like a good, like, 45, 50-minute service and a two-hour lunch. 
we like to get in there, shake hands, listen to a 20-minute service, sing a couple songs, praise God from whom own blessings flow. Um, amen. Good night. See you next week. Catholic Church is funky. Um, so in addition to these questions, you've said that you found a Reddit post. I found a good little Reddit post. I did. I did find a Reddit post. I'm just going to give a TLDR, though, because I don't. it's really long, so I don't feel like reading the whole thing. Yeah. But I already had – I called Lily on her way down here today, so we already had – we already had a really in-depth conversation about it. So do you want to run through yours real quick? Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's go for, for it. I'm so um, I I went to r slash confessions and I went to top post of all time. And essentially it was this woman talking about how she put her seven-year-old son in an institution. She surrendered him. Um, and how it was the best decision that she ever made and she had come to despise him because he was essentially a vegetable he was she didn't specify exactly what he was born with but um he was born with like a really rare genetic disorder and he was he was alive and assumingly conscious but he couldn't speak he couldn't communicate with the world. He couldn't move. He so had to have full a full vegetative state. Yeah, he had to like have a feeding tube. He had to have like Rome help with care. I'm sure. Yes, and it actually pushed her husband to commit suicide, and it had taken away so much from her older son, who was 12, um, that he was starting to show signs of like mental illness and like issues with socializing and you know this myriad of other things. Um, and basically the post, the title of the post was, um, I put my seven-year-old in an institution and I'm not sorry about it. I just want to forget about him. That is, I have goosebumps. That's really, really, those are one of, that's like one of the really, really big philosophical dilemmas. It's not a dilemma in her case. She's happy with the choice that she made. She does not regret it. It's not a dilemma. It's something that happened. But that's just one of those things where, I truly feel like nobody can make a, a decision about like the level of morality from outside of the situation. Oh, I agreed with her 100%. If I was in that situation, I would have done the same thing. I like to think that, cause, you know, when you become a parent, this is, at least in my case, this is what I said to myself when I was pregnant. I said, no matter how this baby comes out, no matter how she grows, no matter what choices she makes in life, as long as she does not seriously harm another individual to the point where I couldn't look at her, I, I mean, I'm going to love this child no matter what. And when I say the, like, the point where I couldn't look at her, if she like killed like a bunch of people or something crazy, then yeah, I think that's my ticket out of the relationship. Well, it depends but on who she killed. I like, yeah, that's true too. It's another moral dilemma. What um, if she killed boom. like Matt Gates or something? <clears throat> or like Donald Trump? No, we'd be going out for ice cream, baby. Um, but, you know, you have this conversation with yourself when you are becoming a parent where you're like, I need to know that I can handle anything. I will love this child and I will take care of this child no matter what. But what if that child had no personality? Like it had never spoken to you. It I, never looked at you. I can't say what It was just I, a body. I can't say what I would have done. The, you know, like natural caregiver side of my personality says that, you know, fuck what that lady did. I would just give my whole life to taking care of this child. But I am not in that position, so I cannot 100% say 
what I what choice I would make. And so that, you know, I read that post to her and we chatted about it. And that actually brought up a really interesting question um, about, you know, physician-assisted suicide or yes, euthanasia. Yes, I did my and paper I, on that. And so I actually have something really interesting that I want to bring up to you because me and Kendall were talking about this the other night. And for the record, I am fully in support of physician-assisted suicide slash euthanasia. Yes. However, in the current state that our healthcare system is in, and Kendall made this point the other day, and I had never thought about it this way. I've always thought about it from, like, strictly, like, a morality ethics perspective, never from, like, modern context. Um, But the way that our healthcare system is, people would use it as a way to get out of medical debt like if someone say that doesn't have insurance or doesn't have great insurance gets diagnosed with cancer you know rather than going through like really expensive treatment they would just opt for you know euthanasia rather than burdening their family with that debt and that would become i never thought about it like that yeah and that would become like a really common occurrence and it would be like there would be all kinds of like just fear among poor communities in regards to that. That's was, why it kind of goes hand mm-hmm. in hand with um, organ donation mm-hmm. because there are so many people that choose, choose not to be an organ donor because they feel, and I don't know, there's cases where they believe it's happened. I don't know if it's true or not, but where nursing staff will try a little less hard to save your life if you're an organ donor. I like to think that that's not true. Pretty much every healthcare professional ever has come out and been like, hey, we don't do that. We try to save your life no matter what's on your driver's license. But I understand the fear. Yeah, so I thought that was a really interesting question. And then it also brings up the question of like, okay, well, what makes a human a human? Oh, I don't like personhood arguments because it's very easy to get like, ableist and Mm -hmm. it's it's too tricky that's why like um when we covered abortion in my um in my ethics class um the discussion board that week was wild there was this whole what the fuck it was and the only like chain i could really like you know feel good about communicating and was the argument regarding personhood because i do feel very passionately about how like we really should not use the personhood argument when we are talking about abortion mm. because it just gives um, it's, a slippery slope. it's a slippery slope and it gives anti-choice people the opportunity to say some out-of-pocket stuff. But um, yeah, it's it gets so weird when you talk about personhood because on the surface, it seems like a great argument, but it's not. It just kind of, it, by saying like, you know, well, the fetus doesn't have these characteristics of a person. There are people out there that don't have those characteristics either, and it just gets too weird. Um, I still think it's a conversation worth having, even if it, it is. is sticky. It is sticky. It's hard to And navigate. that's the thing about, you know, having conversations like that is, like, it's going to get sticky. It's going to get sticky. That's why I like it. Sticky little day today, baby. You, know, you guys know I love being sticky. Yeah. Half the city knows that, baby. Um... So let me, <laughs> let me read let me read my little Reddit thing. So I went on our moral dilemmas. That just seemed like the best place to go. And I think I found a good one. This one was only posted eleven hours ago. I found oh, it this morning. This is fresh it's content. Fresh and it is a hypothetical. Alright, I love hypotheticals. You ready for this? I hypothetically really have to pee. Well, we got a few more minutes. Open your mouth, Jess. You can do it. Ah. 
It's uh, turning into kink ASMR. Kink ASMR. Uh, is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> Nobody take that idea. We need some time to get an OnlyFans on and figure out how to record not in this beautiful studio. Um, so this is what I found on our moral dilemmas. All right, what you got for me, babe? It's a hypothetical. We have to choose between the first or the second option. First option is you have to praise and congratulate a murderer and human trafficker. We have to treat this person like a saint and promote them as a great person, knowing fully well that they are capable of horrible and atrocious crimes and that you are helping them find more victims by giving them this good public relation. LOL, we already did that with our last president <laughs> and also kind of our current president. Yikes. This is a person, but we're not, this is where we're directly doing it. We're going through word of mouth. But this is a person who has done no harm to you, but has harmed many people, none of whom you know personally, for now at least. You may never show any signs of mistrust in this person. You must show loyalty and support to this person, even if there is doubt about the credibility of the reputation you give. So this person is a murderer and human trafficker, very bad person, and we have to always, all the time, go around talking about just great person. Why? Because that's the first option, and we have to do this. Oh, it's a... It's a it's, hypothetical. Okay, it's a one or two. Yes. So we either do that... Okay. Or... We condemn and ruin the life of a completely innocent person. Is it just one person, though? Yes. A ch hang on, let me get through the whole thing before you get it's all... obviously answer to you. <laughs> a charitable person who works an ordinary job. If you choose the second option, you must treat this person like a horrible excuse of a human being and slander them into being thought of as an undeserving, as undeserving of happiness, knowing fully well that they are completely incapable of being horrible and that you are tormenting them into a life of irreversible hell, and that this person will never be able to clear their name or have any meaningful relationships. This is a person who has done no harm to you and has helped many people, but by chance hasn't crossed paths with you or anyone close to you at least yet. This person just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You may never show any signs of trust in this person. You must show disregard and hatred for this person, even if there's doubt about the credibility of the reputation you give. And they put a little notice, the sex, gender, nationality, ethnicity, presence of disability, if any, and sexual orientation of each hypothetical person is unknown, but it is known that they are both um, capable of reason. And, you know, we don't know the age. They're both adults, not known about any, like, family situations. So just, we don't know. These are strangers, essentially. This is a so, sticky one. This is. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. This is, this is what my brain is cooking up. Um, they're both really bad. Like, I wouldn't want to be in either of those scenarios. But I'm still leaning towards option two because i feel like i'm doing less harm the utilitarianism overall. in me is saying option two yeah as well i would not want to support a rapist or a murderer or a human trafficker um, this yeah and i feel like if you go with option one you very likely are going to create so much more harm 
Whereas if I feel like if I go with option two, I'm really just impacting mm-hmm. one person's life. So it's kind of comparable to the trolley problem, actually, because mm-hmm. with option one, you might be putting somebody in harm's way indirectly. You know, in talking right. so good about this sex trafficker, you might indirectly and cause whereas- somebody else to. The second one, you were directly causing the pain, but less people get hurt. It's literally the trolley problem. Yeah, because, like, with option two, like, yes, I'm directly hurting someone. And if they're a charitable and kind person, I'm probably taking away that good. So that means we would pull the from lever. From someone else. We're lever pullers. We would pull the lever on the trolley then. I would That's pull the lever. That's what we just admitted to. But then there's also the question of, like, like, especially with the trolley problem, it's like, okay, but who's on the tracks? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, that's why that note was in there, too. That's the thing you just don't know. With, you can always make a more informed decision when you have context. Um, it's like, because, you know, you pull the lever to hit the one person instead of, like, you know, the five or ten people. Yeah. Um, but I like, think I'm a But, like, what puller. if the five or ten people are all, like, convicted rapists? Then... I'm not pulling the lever. I don't know. There's so many versions of the trolley problem out there now. They've it's taken away the magic of just it being what it is. Yeah, yeah. And and isn't it? Aren't they like actually like railroad workers in the trolley problem? That's all we know about them. Yeah, is they're all workers who unfortunately are. But I would I would be a lever puller, and I think in this case I would condemn and ruin the life of an innocent person rather than support and um enable a rapist slash murderer there we go i think because i feel like that would do the overall good yeah we've got a couple more minutes i don't know if we want to dive into this one yet but i saw a tiktok recently it was this guy turning in his philosophy midterm or something like that he it, it was probably just a skit but he was like the professor when he reads my paper on would i rather be and um quick content warning for like sexual assault um do you mind want to skip ahead a couple minutes but um would i rather be the rapist or get raped and i was like whoa i'd rather get raped i do not want to cause that kind of pain to another person and also, i like, thought i have a cnc kink so it probably jesus fucking christ Clara. <laughs> it would probably like end up being a win-win situation for me that's really toxic and you should keep that for therapy um but i thought that answer was pretty clear of like you know i would rather be harmed than do harm and have to be the person that was harming someone else um but when i got in the comments it was it was a little mixed in there i was surprised what were the arguments for people being the rapist um that they were not about to be embarrassed like that and i'm like that's and that's more embarrassing than actually hurting somebody like that? I don't I don't know. It's a big question. Um, now I'm wondering if every, like, philosophical question I've ever been asked is really just, like, the trolley problem dressed up as something else. I think a lot of them are. But also... Like, oh. in that question... Well... Never mind. Never mind. My brain is dumb. But it's yeah, okay. I would I would be raped. It's on brand. Unless. We would get assaulted and we would pull the lever. Unless I was a rapist that raped rapists. Kind of like Dexter. Like he was a serial killer that killed killers. 
Yeah. I don't I don't even know about that. But I don't I think that's more about how I would feel about myself. Yeah. But that is a good example too of like what causes the most harm versus the most good. But wait, in that situation, aren't you just causing additional harm? Like what good are you doing? I don't know, it's too much. I think we've gone too far. Am I just getting raped once? Or am I like (laughs) Like if you're a rapist, I feel like you're a serial rapist. But like, if I am I just getting raped once, or am I if like it's a one and done? Okay, if it's a one and done, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not like subjected to a life of yeah. being raped. Well, manifesting that nobody listening to this ever has to make that decision. That was rough. Um, yeah, can we never say the word rape again? Yeah, yeah. Let's that just clear that time. from our minds. That was the last time. That was an interesting. Um, this is an interesting conversation. We should scroll more on moral dilemmas i feel like there's some good ones in here i know i kind of just want to go to a coffee shop and like yeah there's all these all these people asking if they were morally incorrect for what they said and i feel like now i'm in a position to tell them yes or no and answer confidently (laughs) you did you you did take professor g's class i did take professor you're basically a philosopher i yeah um intro to ethics i wrote a term paper like yeah, I trust but you. Call with, me TED Talk. <laughs> I trust you with any yeah. moral dilemma that I had. There we go. All right. Well, we are going to wrap things up here. We mostly because I have to pee. Mostly because Claire has to pee and she needs to do it now. Like instantly. Um, next week, please join us. We are going to have our good friend Will, also not known as ILY Willie, on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, he's a disabled content creator. And he is a cutie patootie. He is a little cutie. And if he knows I had, he's a cutie. If I had social media, I'd be sliding to those DMs like I was on a slip and slide. Jesus Christ. Uh, but Will will be here to have a very good conversation with us about um, ableism, ableism in healthcare. Uh, we're going to dive into um, some of uh, the, the religious um language you hear as a disabled person i guess um god so, has a plan for you god, everything happens for a reason everything happens for a reason baby fuck off linda no one asked for your opinion no one did linda well please join us next week and we hope you guys have a good one bye friends bye